This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Once again, it's time for the idiots. Welcome back to a special bonus episode of the idiots, our continuing recap of 1985's Misfits of Science, one of many TV shows during that era gone too soon. Um, yeah, that's uh, absolutely 100% true. And so, hey, we're up to episode three now. Hope you are too. And I don't know if there's anything else we have to touch base on except dig into it and see what kind of interesting 80s goodness can be, uh, you know, we can reap from here, including actors in this that had small roles in this that appeared in other bigger, more iconic 1980s films. Did you notice them? How about that? Did I notice them? Yes. Uh-huh. I don't I don't think I did. I mean, I recognized a couple of them, but yeah. I don't remember what they were in, so. Okay. And I'll need your help because um is some of the things they're in as far as reminiscing o- over what they are um there are the other roles they played. Okay, so anyway, so let's get into Misfits of Science. So um, this is episode number three, titled "Guess What's Coming to Dinner." See what they did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, super clever as usual. Because we'll soon learn that something, I guess, is invited. Someone, some being, is invited to dinner, but it's not a a biological form that turns up. Uh, and if you've watched it, you know what we're talking about. If you didn't watch it, spoiler alert. It's it's gonna be big. You're gonna, yeah, yes, yeah. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay, so um, Misfits of Science, because of course it was created by James Perriot. Uh, this episode in particular was written by Maury Ruvinsky. We'll say stars our usual cast of characters, including some, as I said, some uh, smaller roles that are filled by some actors that we know from other '80s properties. And it first aired on October 25th, 1985. I wonder what I was doing that day. Probably getting really excited about Halloween coming up. You know, it's one of those Halloweens we were really into. Were you inflating a costume at that time? Uh, what year was that? 85? Yeah, 85. So you've been like 13? Not even 13? No, I'd have been yeah. up to no good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not Mischief Night, no good, because you didn't have that, we learned. But No, we had Mischief Year, I guess, at that point. <laughs> mischief Fall. And here's a summary of episode number three. The misfits help a friend who claims he's communicated with Martians, even as the men in black descend upon the man's home. (laughs) Okay, so this one starts off, and and this one starts off with the, you know, another cold opening before we even get to the opening theme and credits. And I'm going to try to really point out things that are important and not dwell on the minor details that I might be tempted to talk about. But uh, there's some real 80s awesome things that pop out in this one. Anyway, we're introduced to a science who we'll later learn is named Harry. And he's really excited because he's doing, you know, some tinkering on his computer while his family is in the yard preparing uh, for a barbecue. And he makes some sort of breakthrough because he gets really excited as he types messages into his computer. Suddenly some binary, what we recognize as binary now, seems like back then in the 80s, folks didn't probably easily know what binary was because... Later on in the show, it's like a it's like a big deal. But a bunch of zeros and ones start popping up on his monochromatic green monitor. Uh, and he gets really excited, calling out to his family, you've got to come and see this. You know, they, I'm getting an answer or they're talking to me or something. Uh, his son, Josh, uh, is, who's played by an actor named Gary Riley. And this is the first of the actors I want to point out. Because even though he just plays the son in this 1985 TV show in this one episode, he later goes on to play... Uh, I believe his name is Dave Frazier in Summer School, Chainsaw's Best Friend. Oh, oh, yeah. Now I remember him. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's he, a great movie. He did, did he have a nickname? Was it just Chainsaw and Dave? Yeah, I think that was he was just Dave. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember what if he had a nickname or not. But anyway, so that's Gary Riley playing his son. And he seemed really disappointed by his dad and says that, you know, his, why is his dad always, quote, looking for Wookiees? So get a little bit of a clue there what's going on. There's a ton of sci-fi references in this show, including to Star Trek and Star Wars, as we just mentioned, and some some that we get later on. The father says something about Mars, and then we get the opening, uh, you know, that weird Misfits opening that we've talked about a couple times already. Right, kick the TV down, fire up the truck, and let's go. So now we're finally at the lab. We get our usual, uh, you know, introduction by, you know, way of just a couple of passing moments in phrases where we know, again, there's a sort of larger and maybe growing world of misfits out there. There's a guy there talking to a lamp in their lobby. He's comforting a lamp saying, it's, it's going to be all right, honey, or something. And the light is like <laughs> flickering. <laughs> I don't know what power that was. Did he have the power? Or was the lamp that had the power? I, I'm not real sure on that one. They also at some point make a reference to... Um, Mr. Some, Mr. Wilkerson is coming in for his Freon check, and we have to make sure we keep him cool this time. <laughs> anyway, there's all sorts of little goodies like that, you know, again, suggesting this world is, uh, of misfits is bigger than we even know. We see Harry outside the lab take something from the trash and put it in a cart and excitedly uh, wheel off again. Harry's the guy at the beginning, uh, the scientist at the beginning. So inside the lab... Harry bursts in where Billy is, you know, fighting with Richard as usual over some test results that he, that uh, Billy no longer has access to because they're now classified. Johnny B's there firing off some bolts at some different targets. One is Billy, one is L, I think. And one's Richard. Oh, one's Richard, right. And, and I think he only shoots the Richard one? Yeah, he shoots that one like three times as many as everybody else. <laughs> right, right, right. And then right, right, makes Richard feel really uncomfortable. Uh, and he says he doesn't like when he's, uh, when, when Johnny B is there. Um, but Harry bursts in saying that he, he clearly wants Billy's attention, ultimately saying, you guys have to come over for dinner. Come on, L, you, Johnny can come too if you're free, Johnny. That'd be great. We'll have a barbecue. Um, and they just blow him off. You know, they start making excuses like you might if, you know, you got invited to dinner by someone you didn't want to uh, go and see. Harry is played by an actor named James Sloyan. Sloyan, I'm going to say. Although I recognized him digging back in all the movies and TV shows he appeared in, and they're they're numerous I, none stand out to me as something that, uh, you know, us 80s kids would really uh, remember. In any case, they blow off dinner, and Elle and Billy then instead go to the fast food restaurant where Glow is working still. So we saw her in the last episode delivering some food, and now she's working there. They discuss how they don't like things having been classified now and how things are changing, and they also made some passing comment, which we realize is related to what we just saw a few moments earlier about throwing things in the trash, throwing their experiments in the trash. And then uh, and then Gloria messes up their order on purpose. Yes, she's good and ticked off at them. Now, you know, I realize this. a lot of what our discussion could just focus on is the things that I really just don't know, even after having seen, seen the whole episode. <laughs> like, okay, we, we learn the reason why she's upset with them is she found out from Harry that uh, they blew off Harry for going to dinner. So she, and she's really disappointed about that. Right. And uh, and Harry canceled the dinner party. So to get back at them, she puts extra pickles on Billy's. Right. And extra mayo on Elle's. Right. Knowing they don't like it. Which, that would upset me too. I couldn't eat mayo on anything. But that would be bad for me. Pickles I could take. But what I don't understand is, and I don't think we ever find out is, what is Gloria's connection to Harry? Well, she's at the lab all the time and he works there. Is that it? That's enough. Oh, I guess. Because later on when they're in the van talking, he's like got his hands on her lap and he's, it's almost like a father and daughter and he's like, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Uh, oh, oh, you thought it was father, daughter? <laughs> oh, wait. 
I feel like we've had this conversation once before, but wait, but in reverse with mm-hmm. with Johnny and Gloria. Hmm. So I guess Gloria's I'm, got it going on with everybody on the show, uh, and I misread cues somehow. She I guess, has so. the worst probation officer. Oh my in gosh. The history of probation officer. <laughs> we have got to get to that. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's let's hurry up and get to that. This is one of those other mysteries for me about about this whole thing. So anyway, she 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 tells them why she's mad, and they have no response. They just do not respond. But they do show up at Harry's barbecue. So obviously she got through to them. Everybody and the whole the whole misfit team is there. And Harry's entire family is there. His not only his son Josh, but also his his wife is there. And different uh, conversations are starting in, in different groups, including one that you're talking about, where Jane is confiding in Gloria about some secret that she has. Right? I mean, we we don't know too much yet, but they're clearly well, having a very private conversation. Well, we know enough from what Billy's watching. Oh, right, right, right. Why so, is she scarfing down three burgers and all right. those? pickles yes he is yes he's clearly counting how much he notices how much food she's eating and it's apparently it's been going on for a while because he says to l she's starting to look a little quote cabbage patchy <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> stuff you you shouldn't have gotten away then and and but and or and you can't now probably but so yeah so we we know what where this is going but to your point about the worst probation officer she's confiding in her probation what did you her, call it last time probationaire her probationary teenage 17-year-old probationary. Yeah, so the person, <laughs> her ward, the person she's supposed to be looking after, she's telling her about her personal life. And and Gloria says to her, have you told him yet? And she says, no, Gloria. Something to the effect of, no, Gloria, I can't tell him. Look, Billy and I, I think she says, Billy and I have a relationship, which is another one of the questions I have that I don't feel like answered very clearly in the show. Do they have a relationship? Well, well, as, as you're fully aware, in the 80s, yeah. if two people kiss, the yep. woman assumes they're in a relationship, and the guy just thinks they're having a kiss. Hmm. Billy, yeah. Billy doesn't even know they're dating. I, well, I don't know that they are. I don't, I don't know either, and I'm a viewer, and I think we should know if anybody knows. Because, all right, so uh, more questions come up connection with this you know, as we go along here. So at the barbecue, uh, Harry finally starts telling them why he wanted them to be there. And it's that he's been slingshotting radio signals off of satellites so that he can send them out further distances in the universe and believes he's contacted some extraterrestrials. They, of course, course think he's nuts. So he shows them what we saw earlier, you know, before the credits even began, where he is sending out messages and getting messages back. To do this, they learn he is using one of their transicon units uh, that Billy threw away. So he's picking their trash, which, again, <laughs> what? Something that's this high tech. They, and they literally had it like in a garbage can at the beginning. Yeah, on the top of the garbage, too. Yes, yes. And, and what Elle says at the fast food place was something like, we threw away the first three. We're up to model number four. So there's three of them in their trash can there. So, yeah, Harry's been using that. <laughs> yeah, which is... Typical 80s stuff. That's how you get uh, all your electronics in the 80s. You dig them out of the garbage. I remember doing that as a kid. I would find like car radios. And this is when I was like eight, seven, eight years old. Car radios left in a parking lot near where we lived. And, you know, taking them home and trying to make something out of it. But that wasn't classified. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know why. How, how do you know? True. Maybe it wasn't a car radio. I was like eight. <laughs> right. How do I know? <laughs> yeah. If I showed my daughter now what a car radio was she from the 80s, she wouldn't recognize what it was. 
but he shows them how he ty- he shows them what he does. He types into the computer, "Hello out there, this is Harry from Planet Earth," and then he gets all this you know code back, which Billy recognizes as binary. Wow, and his mind is blown, and he says something to the effect that this is the language of the universe, which you know I, I didn't know that. Uh, I guess. Uh, aliens would have necessarily, you know, zeros and ones the way we do the you know, Arabic numerals, but okay, sure. Fine. If a, if a scientist says it, it must be true. Yeah, of course. And now they're really excited because, you know, in the, in the eighties, everybody wanted to talk to aliens and certainly Billy and L are, are, are among, among the, uh, those because they're scientists. But, uh, Harry gets a message back to what he sends and it says, oh, oh they tell him to, um, in, to communicate in a way, I can't remember why they get to this, but they, um. The message he sends is he invites the invites you know the aliens to dinner, and he gets a message back that says accept send coordinates. So now he's thrilled, and so he you know he, he uh, gives it some coordinates, I guess, right? Yeah, he gives them his address. Oh, okay, right. Then I guess he changes that some later. Oh, oh, oh right, right, right. Yeah, they cancel on him or something. But no, they they he gets the message oh. of populated area. Right, need different location. Right. And, and and while they're still at the barbecue, we learn that the son's disappointed in his dad because he thinks his dad cares more about it, you know, finding an E.T. than having a relationship with his son, which is, again, you know, an 80s trope. We all felt mm-hmm. that way. It was true about us and most of our dads. <laughs> I felt the same way about my dad. It wasn't alien, though. It was something else. It just wasn't me. Dad, I still <laughs> love you. I still need that attention. He doesn't listen to our show. He's not even giving you that attention. <laughs> that is... People might think you're joking, but that's 100% true. So, of course, you know, there's got to be some kind of bad guy in this episode. We finally see the bad guy who we learn is called Jeffries. I don't know if they ever call him that. I'm going to say that's what his name is because that's what he's credited in the credits, and it's helpful to discuss him. And this is where we see another actor that we've seen in a, another role in a more iconic, you know, film from the 1980s. He's played by actor Tom Bauer, who I recognized as Russ Fielding in Beverly Hills Cop 2. So he is the, I think he's the owner of the, the gun range. Axel comes in looking for Russ Fielding, and he's him, and he's talking his way, you know, past Russ Fielding, trying to find out uh, information about um, what's going, uh, whatever. You know, see that movie if you want to see it. This is not a recap of Beverly Hills Cop 2. Anyway, Russ, so Tom Bauer's playing Jeffries in this one. Uh, so in, in clearly, they, the way they show it, you know, you could tell he's the heavy, he's the bad guy. Back at the lab, now Billy and Ella are, are, you know, they're they're hooked in. So they're in the computer room now doing some research about the, inf- the signals and information that uh, Harry showed them. Richard doesn't want them to have anything to do with it. He tells them they got to get off this. They're not to work with the crazy uh, test tube washer, he calls Harry. Don't work with them. They're not to participate. In, and Billy says, doesn't commit to not, to listening to Richard, but he says instead, you know, I respect your point of view. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's good enough. Yeah, and Richard takes that as they're going to obey him and, you know, we know he's not. That's completely different than saying, I agree with you. True. And Billy's clever enough to do that. So when um, we next see Harry's home, it's now surrounded by, you know, government vans and guys in hazmat suits. Your typical, again, 80s, you know, scene in one of these types of stories involving aliens. And in fact, coming right on the scene is now Josh the son and two of his friends riding in on motorcycles. I think they're motorcycles, right? Not dirt bikes. Eh, I think they're dirt bikes, but... Close enough. Dirt bikes. And one of Josh's friends says, what is this, a Spielberg production? And something (laughs) about, are they making E.T. here? So the show is very mindful of uh, what it's, you know, the references it's making there. And this friend, Bobby, is played by an actor. This is the third and final reference I I caught, anyway, of an actor from another film. 
Now, this show is from 85. He appeared in 1982's The Last American Virgin, Steve Anton. And he had a much bigger role. He was one of the main three guys in that film. Um, he, had a, he has a very small part in this just a few years after that film. I guess uh, you know, his career didn't break as, as big as uh, some of the uh, other folks from The Misfits. Um, I'm sorry, some of the other, well, no, well, Diane Franklin's in Last American Virgin, so, you know, and she went on to do a lot. Wait, this is not a recap of The Last American Virgin. Yeah, what are you okay. doing over there? I, I'm getting so distracted. You get, okay. you get distracted super easy. So the kids roll up on yeah. the uh, dirt bikes. Yes. They see all the federal agents. Yeah. And of course, they have to go call their dad. Right. Right. So, so then, what do they do? The responsible thing. Which is... They, they make a plan to get into the house to get the equipment so they can call the aliens. Right, of course, what anybody would do. Right, he, right. Harry's told the misfits, the, the, uh, the message he got back was that, like you said, uh, the, the, he can't come to dinner because the coordinates were in a populated area. So now Harry wants to give them a new, new set of coordinates, uh, but he needs that equipment to be able to communicate with them. So they, the misfits come up with a plan to sneak into Harry's own house. This is where, again, so the, and Harry's talking to Gloria about, and, and at first, the misfits aren't going to help Harry with his plan because it's, you know, it's cockamamie scheme. Um, and, and Harry's saying to Gloria, don't worry, I'll be fine. It's okay. It's like, a, I don't know what's going on there. It's, how does she know? I don't know. But as soon as Harry leaves the van, Billy does one of his, he starts to do one of his speeches like he does in every episode. And the, the misfits have heard it too many times, even by the third episode, are like, we're going to help him. We're going to help him. Shush. They don't even let him finish. Um, they come up with a crazy scheme, like you said. Yeah, and as usual, they just outsmart the government agents, like all good 80s movies, simply by sneaking into the bushes, climbing in windows. Of course. Making a bunch of noise that no one notices. Minor diversions and larger <laughs> yeah. diversions. Yeah, and yeah. just driving away. <laughs> yeah. Everyone gets to use their powers, and yep, they drive away. Now, they, don't, they leave the ice cream truck behind, and they drive off in Harry's car instead, but they do get the equipment that they want. Meanwhile, and I should say they, everyone but Billy and L, because Billy goes back for L, who's still 11 inches tall, who's now being threatened by the family dog, and as a result, they're captured by the government and being arrested for what they're told is treason. As well they should be. Yeah. Hey, that's it. And that's the end of the show. They're now in jail. That's the end of the season. Oh, no. That'd be something. So instead, no, but bad guys, we see the bad guys again, you know, Jeffries, and now he's watching a rocket, what appears to be a rocket, preparing for launch. And there's some uh, references made in this conversation, I believe, to Mother and Mother Goose. So that when we see now Billy and uh, Al in the back of the government van being taken somewhere, the people in the van are communicating clearly with this, with Jeffries, again, making similar references to Mother, can we... And there's also a giant tag in the back of the <laughs> van they're being transported in that says Mother Goose. Yes, like any classified things would have. And of course, Billy says, isn't Goose that military program thing yes. that they got the... The stuff from us for? Right, yes. That And as usual, Billy puts it together like that. Yes, he recognizes that they gave, uh, that was this classified name for the program where they had sold one of the, the, the Transicon unit that they, you know, were, had failed, made all those failures that they threw clearly on the top of the garbage pile. So when the government van uh, finally comes to a stop, uh, L shrinks down to size because they were getting ready for a fight. When the van opens, you know, they, they wind up uh, distracting the guards long enough to take over and find out they're in the middle of a cornfield. Very quickly, though, there's soldiers just descend upon them, and now they're on a run through a cornfield where they find an escape hatch that they go down. So, And they go down into a series of tunnels. And while they're on the run, 
Oh, you know what? Okay, so while they're on the run, uh, Billy is still talking about with Elle about what's going on with uh, Jane and, you know, and her body and her eating. And Elle's like, she's pregnant, dummy. Yeah, I would be more concerned about the seven foot tall black guy in the cornfield who is running with me that yep. is easily spotted <laughs> wherever he's running. He's seven foot whatever. I haven't, that hadn't occurred to me. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of corn where we live. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he'd probably yeah. stand out. He'd probably, he would stand out in a yeah. cornfield. I'm trying but to think. He's Billy's feet. more concerned with if his girlfriend's pregnant or yeah. not. Yes. Which he really should be. Well, I guess. I, I, government agent shooting at you and your friend in a cornfield yeah. is less of a problem than your girlfriend getting knocked up. See, but here again, is it his girlfriend? Because when Elle we, says- We've already established this. They kissed. Okay, yes. But that's all they may have done because- Remember, Elle says she's pregnant, and Billy says, well, who's the father? He does, he's not even on the list of possible candidates. So that's it. I think they just kissed. And that's, that's the worst probation officer ever. Yeah, why? Because <laughs> puts she, her in danger all the time. Well, so it seems like Billy and she have not done it yet. Any, so, Bill te- so Elle tells Billy it's her um, husband's, and now Billy's like, she's married? And Billy says, is that why she won't go on a date with me? <laughs> what? what? I don't know. It's very confusing. 80s was a confusing time for dating, I guess. We were too young to know by then. Yeah, but watching the show, it's very clever. Yeah. It's a very clever plot twist. So ultimately, after eluding the authority for some time, they get captured by the bad guys. And, and the bad guy, we realize now, as you know, this Jeffries is part of the government, reveals to them that Harry's, the unit, the Transagon unit that, that Harry has, that he took out of the garbage, has been talking with their Transicon unit, the one that, they, that Billy and Elle made for them, which controls a nuclear missile in a silo there. Yeah, they got a big old, well, I don't know if it's nuclear, uh, what do they call it? A ballistics missile. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a regular ballistic oh. missile. Oh, here I am thinking it's part of that, you know, panic no, no, no. we talked about with uh, yeah, we're, we're not We're not full-blown nuclear on this episode. Oh, oh! I feel better now. Oh, that makes but, sense, though, for for later then, because I had a question yes. about that, too. Yeah, okay. that's why that works out the way it does. All right, because that was really confounding to me. Okay, so because Harry's unit is talking with their unit, when he said, when he's inviting it to dinner, he's really telling it the, the missile where to launch or, or where to land, you know, or what, with that strike, where to strike. So mm-hmm. while they're there, um, Harry's communicates with it and tells it to you know, land. He thinks he's telling the, where the aliens to land, but he's telling the missile to strike in Garden Grove, which is an area where now Harry, his family, and a bunch of onlookers have now gathered to greet the aliens. Yeah, they're all stupid. <laughs> it's it's just like a night in the comet where they're all standing there waiting on the aliens. Yes, and they get obliterated. Yeah, yeah, they all just get obliterated. So um, while everybody's there celebrating. Uh, we do see Jane continuing to confide in her teenage ward about her <laughs> pregnancy and her, her estranged husband who got her pregnant. And she's saying to her, to Gloria, Jane says to Gloria, maybe he wasn't as bad as I thought. And this is a very 80s thing I thought was. She said he was always seemed to be more concerned with playing racquetball and waxing the beamer. I mean, if, that, if that's not something 80s, I mean, both of those. I don't know anyone's. I don't know of anyone who's played racquetball since the '80s. I've never played racquetball. I think I played once or twice with my friend in college, but that was late '80s, early '90s. That's like you know. And I've never ever even been near a beamer. Yeah, hmm. ever. I dated a girl with a beamer once. That's a whole other episode. But uh, come on, that's more '80s, just nonsense. I mean, I love it. It's just very '80s. Yes. And 
And Jane tells her, well, the baby is a great going away present from her estranged oh, husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's excellent. So they see something approaching. Big old missile. Turns yeah. out to be a helicopter. And from out of the helicopter emerges Billy and L and Je- Jeffrey's the government agent. And they t- explain to Harry what's going on. You know, he's now tell- he told a missile to come, not, a, not an alien spaceship. Harry gets it right away and feels really terrible. And now they go all full war games trying to figure out how to communicate with this missile in a way to get yeah. it to shut down. And this is another great part of the episode because they determine they have to use food references to talk to this Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, because he invited him to dinner. So it's like, how do you tell him we don't want to have dinner? Well, how do we tell him right. not to come? And Jeffrey right. says, what, instead of telling him to cancel dinner, tell him to move the appointment or something? Yeah. Yeah, you need to move, move this, whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, I was thinking you could have said pass the peas or whatever. <laughs> pass the peas. That's a great uh, JB song. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, and he does put coordinates in, but it turns out the rocket's not getting the signal because it's not strong enough. He doesn't have the satellites to bounce off anymore. So they come up with another cockamamie misfits scheme, which of course is brilliant. Um, they see a, like a caterpillar, right? It's like a giant crane is nearby. Yeah. It's like a, like a, bulldozer or a backhoe or something. Yeah. It's enormous. Yeah. And they figure if Johnny B can light this thing up with lightning, they can create some sort of electromagnetic field that will help amplify the signal. Right. That's probably science. I well, guess. you, you got to use the, uh, the powers. Yes. We want to see that lightning. If they just walk around and talk about stuff. Yeah. Not really the misfits of science, is it? Right. So Johnny B scales this giant caterpillar to, to, you know, do this. And I noticed it seems like it's actually Mark Thomas Miller and it, he's not, he's going full parkour on this thing. Oh, I was going to say, he looked really good climbing that thing. Right. But I mean, it seemed really dangerous. The thing is high and huge and I'm sure made of solid, you know, steel construction or something. Again, I don't know if they'd let him get away with today, but no, but yeah, but they were probably paying him 80 bucks or something for the <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah. So I'll slip you at 20 if you climb it yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it, it actually, it was probably a bet behind the scenes. <laughs> oh no! Between between him and one of the other actors, like uh, probably Dean. I yeah. bet you won't run up that thing yourself. I'll bet oh. you twenty bucks. Like roll it. We don't know if this is we're ever gonna. <laughs> oh yeah, this is yeah. This could oh. change the ending of the show if he falls off. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of mutants we've been teasing. We'll get the guy with the lamp from the beginning. Will be the new Johnny <laughs> B. He's got lightning powers or some kind of light powers. So, of course, they do this, and it works out. They're able to get uh, through and get the message to the missile to... Well, the plan is, if they just give it a different coordinate, it'll crash into the side of a mountain. But instead, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to crash into the crane where Dechani's standing on. Close enough. Oh, okay, maybe it's just right near him. But he that thing blows up. And everyone's like aghast, like, wow, we just murdered Johnny B. And you're right. It wasn't, now that I realize it, it wasn't a nuclear mushroom cloud. It was just an explosion. Mm-hmm. Everyone's thinking you murdered Johnny B. And Billy says, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like something you would say in that circumstance. <laughs> well, of course. But he does look a little worried. And of course, Johnny B appears like seconds later with cartoon-like puffed out hair, <laughs> like he got electrocuted. Yeah, awesome 80 special effects. Yeah. You know, the the old uh, cartoony electrocution bit never yeah. fails. Hilarious. So Jane and Billy have a heart-to-heart where she, you know, he acknowledges that he knows what happened. And he, he, she says to him, so now that you know, no more fat jokes. And he says, quote, well, it's better than an eating disorder, end quote. 
that probably was terrible to say in the 80s. I mean, I think I was more aware of eating, eating disorders then than I hear about them now. But I don't know. I think they were more of a joke back then. I mean, they were they were a real thing. It was. I'd have to look up when we lost Karen Carpenter. That's when I first learned about anorexia. Yeah, and I think it was coming to light back then, but everybody yeah. still joked about it. Like they oh, did everything else. Yes, ex- exactly. I guess that's my point. So, you know, at the end of the episode, everything is uh, is great, of course, and, you know, everyone is happy. Turns out the government tells Harry that he uncovered a security flaw and they offer him a job, which he declines. And instead, Billy tells Harry that Richard has promoted him to full research scientist with his own new lab in another building. And I think they say another building to account for the fact that we're never going to see this guy ever again in a future episode. Yeah, I think that's how they like to do it. So then they're there. Him and the kid are yeah. in the garage. Yeah. And uh, they get the message again. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. How, why is he? So Harry's at the computer trying to talk to aliens again. He's not worried at all. He's going to send any more missiles. Well, I think what the, the trick here is, is they may, you know, this is how I interpreted it. At the very beginning, they made contact. Oh, they but, did? I thought it was contact yes. with the rocket always, the missile. No. At some point, it transferred to the missile. Oh, Okay. So at the very end of the show, the aliens say, we would like to come to dinner. Right. We'll be there in 726 years. Yeah. Yeah. 726 years. Right. So it's like the signal got crossed at some point. I see. And the original aliens didn't actually get back to them till the very end of the show. Ah, okay. That makes sense. And that's when he says, we're going to keep this to ourselves yeah. this time. Mm. Uh, see, I was thinking he's being irresponsible. He's going to blow something up again. Oh, you remind me, one thing that we didn't talk about at the beginning and at the end here is, it seems like Harry invented Siri, because at the beginning of the episode and at the end, he's just calling out what kind of music he wants to hear, or what radio station to put on, and it gets changed. Yeah, he did. He has not got the credit he deserves for that invention. Right? And he doesn't even have to say, hey Siri, he's just like, uh, Jazz 108, and then some jazz yeah. music comes on, or whatever he was saying. Yeah, but even his son can use it. He uses right. it at the end, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've noticed, uh, like I've said before, Misfits of Science is great at taking things and from the 80s and putting it in the show. Yeah. So for me, this episode was E.T. and War Games mashed mm, together. Right. Mm, I wonder if that's a trend we'll see continue. I hope so, because I really like that idea. Kind of like they, they did the Indiana Jones. Right. And that wasn't enough. That was only one thing. So I'm hoping we get like three or four things to jam together next. Yes, yes. Hey, at least it's all the greatest hits. Yeah. You know, they're not uh, combining some films we wouldn't want to see necessarily or those tropes. So overall, what'd you think of this episode? I enjoyed it. I think it's, you know, I think it's as good as the other ones we've watched so far. I hope, hope it keeps up. I think it's that cool mixture of, you know, sort of intrigue and science fiction and, you know, a little bit of camp and fun and yeah, superheroes, superheroes saving the day. Yep. You can watch these things from start to finish without getting bored or picking up your phone. I, I was not distracted one bit so far through any of the first three episodes. Yeah, me neither. So, hey, you still have a chance to catch up. There's plenty of episodes to watch. So if you haven't yet watched those, you certainly could do that. Or just watch number four and be ready to listen to us next time. Send us your thoughts and feelings about these episodes, too, uh, where you can find us at, at as The Idiots on Facebook where you could like and follow us. And you could also review and rate us on uh, Apple or Spotify. Any of those places uh, would be greatly appreciated. Anything else? No, I think that wraps this one up. All right. So, hey, we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.